You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So I want to talk today about relationships. My most important relationship is with the Lord. My most important human relationship is with my best friend, Lori. And it's my relationship with the Lord that helps set the pattern and precedent for that relationship with Lori as well as all my other relationships. Now, go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 before sin enters the world. God says that it's not good for me to be alone. That God says that he's going to give me a wife to be a helper. Because as you all know, I need help. And together... She's shaking her head, yes. I'm not looking that way anymore. (laughs) Together, we're supposed to be one. There are two of us, but we are one team. We worship one God. We live in one house. We do one life together. Why do I tell you this? Because sometimes people look at Jesus' life and think, man, he he had to be pretty much uh, alone and, and didn't need any help. The truth is, Jesus was not alone. He was never alone. And in fact, he needed help, and he asked for help, and he got help, and he lived in such a close relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit that they were, in fact, and are, in fact, one. And so what I want to talk about today is not just our personal relationships, but our personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And to set us up for that, we're going to see Jesus's own personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Before we jump into John chapter 14, which is where we'll spend most of our time today, I want to go all the way back to John chapter 1 to pick up this theme. Here's John chapter 1, verse 32. Then John gave this testimony. Okay, so this is John the Baptist. Remember, there's several people named John in the New Testament. There's John, the author of this gospel, And at this particular point, he is referencing John the Baptist. John the Baptist gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. This is the baptism of Jesus. And the question was, how do we know that God has entered the world? Well, one way that we know is what we are told from the Old Testament prophet of Isaiah, that he will be anointed by the Spirit. And so when Jesus comes at his baptism, the Father speaks from heaven saying, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus gets up out of the water and upon him the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. Jesus had this eternal relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and in his earthly life and ministry, Jesus was in constant Communion with the Spirit and constant communion with the Father. And in his baptism, it was kind of a public way of declaring we do life together. That everything Jesus would do would be in relationship with the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. The text that we just read said that the Holy Spirit remained on him. So you think about remained, continued stayed with. So everything that Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's involved. 
Everything Jesus does, the Holy Spirit is involved. Everywhere Jesus goes, the Holy Spirit is involved. Jesus is not isolated and alone. He's in a relationship. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit empowers the life of Jesus. This will blow your mind because Jesus needed help. Now, Jesus didn't need help because he was sinful, but because he was human. The second member of the Trinity, God the Son, took on flesh. He became a man, which means he got tired. He got tempted. He had trouble. Jesus lived a full human life, and he struggled just as you and I struggle with things. He needed help because of his humanity. And when he needed help, he had it in the Holy Spirit to be his helper. And the big idea is Jesus then sends that Holy Spirit to help us. Here's where it keeps going. This is, again, John chapter 1. John the Baptist saying, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify, this is God's chosen one. So number one, Jesus is not alone. He is never alone. The Holy Spirit remained for those of you who are trying to do life alone, you are not walking in the footsteps of Jesus. In addition, number two, Jesus needed help. You and I need help. We need help even more because we're sinful. And then number three, Jesus turned to the Holy Spirit for help. My question to you is, when you need help, to whom, to what do you turn for help? And the goal is that when you need help, that the Holy Spirit is there to help you as he helped Jesus, to empower you as he empowered Jesus, to serve you as he served Jesus. So now we get to John chapter 14, where we've been tracking through this gospel. And the first thing we learn is the Holy Spirit is helpful. So how many of you need help today? We all do, right? If you don't need help, raise your hand. Hey, we have an honest crowd this morning. Here's what Jesus says. Verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. So to believe in Jesus means that you're going to behave like Jesus. You're going to have to start following his footsteps and working in the ways that he works. And then Jesus says this really curious statement. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So we're going to do greater things than Jesus did. Okay, Jesus raised a dead guy. How many of you don't have that on your calendars this week? You're not going to take a lunch and feed several thousand people from it. We can't just find a nice lake to go on a walk over the surface of it. We have seen Jesus do these very things. So the question is, what does it mean that we'll do greater things than Jesus? Well, it's not a matter of greater in magnitude. 
it's greater in multiplication. Jesus is on the verge of dying in our place for our sins. He is hours away from the cross. He's going to finish his great work of dying and rising to conquer sin and death. And then he's going to return to God the Father. And he's talking here about sending the Holy Spirit to fill, to empower, to enable the ministry of his people. And as Christians, we continue the ministry of Jesus Christ by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And what that means is that we now have an opportunity to be part of Jesus' continued ministry. Today, the biggest movement in the history of the world is the Christian church. Billions of us claim to worship and follow Jesus The Son of God, when he was on earth, lived under certain limitations. He could only be in one place at a time. But now the Holy Spirit fills all of the children of God. And with the billions of us there are on this world, that means we can share and we can love, we can serve, we can feed, we can pray, we can minister. So we're continuing the work that Jesus did. That work is threefold. It's for you. It's in you, it's through you. And when Jesus' work goes through you to others, you are continuing Jesus' work. That's why it'll be greater. Because there are billions of us doing it. So here's the good news. Your life is meaningful, your life is valuable, your life is purposeful. You can have the same power at work in your life that was at work in Jesus. He goes on to say, verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. This is talking about prayer. Praying in Jesus' name means praying in accordance with God's will. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Uh, other translations may be counselor, helper. And he will be with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. What we're talking about here is the Trinity. One God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal. That is a defining aspect of what it means to be a Christian. You believe in the Trinity. And it means that we have to think in terms of a relationship. So Lori and I, that's two of us, but the Bible says we're one. The Godhead, there's three persons, but they are one. When this sermon is over, we're going to sing a song. Hopefully it will be the same song that we'll all sing together. And as the chorus of voices come together as one, what Jesus is teaching is the Holy Spirit helps him, the Holy Spirit helps us. You will want to know how to get that help then. So Jesus says, number one, believe in him. He says, whoever believes in me. So my first question to you is, do you believe in Jesus? That's where it all starts. That's your first step. Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that he became a man? 
Do you believe that he lived without sin? Do you believe that he died in your place to be forgiven so that you can have a relationship with God? Do you believe that he is now alive and seated up in heaven, willing to receive all who turn to him? Do you believe in Jesus? That's step one. Step two, he tells us to align ourselves with God's will. When he says, pray in my name or ask in my name, again, that means accordance with God's will. Let me put it this way. What if you went to God and said, hey, God, help me rip off my employer? <laughs> What's the answer? No. We can't go to God and say, here's what I want, just do it. We have to go to God and ask, what do you want? And then do that. That's aligning with God's will. How do you determine God's will? Well, the simplest way is to open up God's word. God's word says, love my wife, pray for my enemies, be generous. If I want to do God's will, God will help me do God's will because God blesses what he instructs us to do. How many, of your how many of you parents, if your kid comes up to you and says, hey, I need your help in rebelling, what do you say? No. But if your kid comes up to you and, and says, okay, you told me what to do. I, I want to do that. Can you help me figure out how to do it? You say, yeah. God has a father's heart. And if you just show up to God to argue with him, you'll never win. But if you come to him and say, I need help, he promises he will. So number one is believe in Jesus. Number two is align yourself with God's will. Number three is to seek to love and obey God. That's what he's saying. If you love me, you will obey me, Jesus says. Now, this is really crucial because love without obedience leads to unholiness. Obedience without love leads to unhappiness. Let me explain this a little bit further. So take that first one, love without obedience. That's somebody saying to you, you know, God loves you, do whatever you want, rebel, he doesn't care. That leads to unholiness because you get to do whatever you want to do, you think. The other side of that is obey, obey, obey. And you never hear how much God loves you. And the problem with that is that you make God out to be a bully. He's domineering. He's non-relational. He's overbearing. Jesus says love and obedience go together like two pedals on a bike. So what Jesus is saying is, I love you. Do you love me? And you go, yeah, I do. Okay, then obey me. You do these three things. Believe in Jesus, align with God's will, seek to love and obey God. The Holy Spirit will help you. He will comfort you. He will advocate for you. He will be your helper. Now, here's what you need to know about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't make you weird. He makes you like Jesus. Holy Spirit empowered the life of Jesus. And what Jesus is promising here is that he will send the Holy Spirit to empower your life. 
And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to help you increasingly become more like Jesus. So how does that work? It's very practical. It means that when you're feeling tempted or troubled, you go to the Lord and you say, God, I need your help. Holy Spirit, help me. It means when you're reading the Bible and you get to a passage where you're not, you're not understanding and you stop and you say, okay, Holy Spirit, you who inspired the writing of this scripture, help me understand and then give me the power to actually do it, to do what it says. Or how about you're having a hard time forgiving someone because what they said or, or did was just so hurtful. Ephesians 4 tells us to forgive one another as God and Christ forgave us. You know how? The Holy Spirit is the one to give you that supernatural power to do the supernatural thing and forgive. All this boils down to is this. The Holy Spirit is the most neglected power source in the world. Too many people... Too many of us are trying to live our life on our own, life energy. What happens? We get exhausted, depleted, discouraged, stressed. We don't realize that God, the Holy Spirit, is there to empower us as he empowered Jesus. Jesus continues in what he says to the disciples. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So he's going to die and he's going to go to heaven. Jesus is coming back. We're waiting for that great event. Before long, he says, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. Well, there's good news there. If you're with Jesus, you go to be with Jesus when you die. He continues, on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, obeys them, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. This is all relational language. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. <laughs> there were two disciples named Judas. And i got to believe that the one said to John, he said, look, if you're going to write a story about Jesus in our lives, make sure you put in there, this is not Judas Iscariot. <laughs> oh, you're Judas. Oh, you're that Judas. No, 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 no. I'm a different Judas. <laughs> then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? You know what? The world does not know Jesus does not follow Jesus. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. That's pretty strong, isn't it? These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. It's as if Jesus is anticipating the question. The disciples are wondering, do we get to go with you? The answer is not yet. And maybe he anticipates the question you might have. Well, if we live together and you leave, are we orphaned? God, are you abandoning us? Now, on that day, to be an orphan was a pretty precarious position that you were in. It was the Christians who started adopting Because we, as Christians, are adopted by God into his family so that 
He is our father, and Jesus is our big brother. Furthermore, Jesus himself was adopted by an earthly father named Joseph. So all that combined led the early Christians to start adopting. Because previous to Christians beginning adoptions and outside of Christianity in the Roman Empire, if you were an abandoned child or an orphan, you had no legal rights, you were considered property. If you were a boy, there were basically two options. You were either turned into a gladiator or a slave. If you were a girl, you were either a slave or a prostitute. No one loved you. No one protected you. No one provided for you. So the question from the disciples, are we orphaned? If Jesus goes to heaven and leaves us behind, have we been orphaned? The answer is no. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to be God's presence in your life. How do you know this is true? Jesus says that God is the Father and Jesus comes as the Son of God. Jesus is in this moment, again, just hours away from the cross. He's going to substitute himself on that cross, take our place, pay our penalty for our sin. And one of the things he says from the cross is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, taking upon himself our sin, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, becomes an orphan. Paul, writing in 2 Corinthians 5.21, says it this way. God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our place, and for an instant, the Son of God experienced abandonment as an orphaned heart. So you don't have to. See, I have very good news for you. If you belong to Jesus, you are reconciled to your heavenly Father. You are a child of God. You have a Father who will never kick you out of the family. There is no need to worry about ever being orphaned. That's healing. For anyone who's ever experienced rejection or abandonment, particularly by family, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will not leave you as an orphan. You can receive that by faith. You can believe that by faith. Jesus continues. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. Just a quick explanation on that. When Jesus says the Father is greater than I, well, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are equal, right? But at this moment... Jesus has taken on full humanity at the same time. And what he is saying is that I am subordinate. I am under the authority of the Father. He goes on. I have told you now before it happens. So when it does happen, you will believe. 
I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave, he says to his disciples. They're about to go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus here is looking at three ministries of the Holy Spirit. The first is mental. The Bible says that we are not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says that we should have the mind of Christ, thanking God's thoughts, that ultimately we worship the Lord our God with all of our mind. What Jesus is teaching is the Holy Spirit will come and through the scriptures give us the mind of Christ. So how many of you, when you read the Bible, you realize God is rewiring your brain. You're like, how I used to think is now so much different. That There is this transforming experience through the word of God because the same Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of scriptures, he illuminates our understandings. He awakens our affections, and we hear what God has to say. We think what God thinks, and we live as God intends. This is a supernatural experience. That's why this book is unlike any other book. And when you pick it up, something supernatural happens because it's connecting us to the living God. That's what Jesus promises. The Holy Spirit will come and teach us. Let me say this. You cannot be mentally clear without a meeting with the Holy Spirit. You cannot truly understand who God is, who you are, how to make the decisions about your life unless your mind is surrendered to the Spirit and you are submitted to the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit will help you mentally. Number two, the Holy Spirit will help you emotionally. Jesus talks about the world, and what he says is, In the world, let not your hearts be troubled or afraid. Here's the point. This world has trouble. Any of you ever experienced that? The result is we live in this world, and, and so we can be afraid, well, how do you live in a troubled world without having a troubled heart? Let me remind you what Jesus said just a few verses ago. Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. The peace that he's going to give. My peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Here's how the world works. Once everything is okay out there, then everything will be okay in here. As soon as I have money, health, security, relationship, there's no risk. Once everything is good out there, I'll be good in here. Question. Will everything ever be good out there? Not until Jesus comes back. The world gives peace internally based on circumstances externally. But Jesus gives peace internally regardless of circumstances externally. 
That's why as believers we can say, hey, things are not okay, but I'm okay. How does that work? You can't get it in a pill. You don't get it from a self-help seminar. You can't get that from just a positive outlook. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit transforming the emotional life of the believer so that your emotional life is contingent upon God's loving relationship with you regardless of circumstances. This is from a God who promises to never leave you nor forsake you. He will always take you back. He will always love you, always serve you, always endure with you. And when you die, it only gets better. That's the hope of the believer. So number one, the Spirit will help you mentally. Number two, He will help you emotionally. And number three, He will help you spiritually. You will get spiritual victory. What Jesus is saying is there is a kingdom and there is the world. The kingdom is led and governed by the Holy Spirit. The world is led and governed by the power of Satan. And Jesus refers to the prince of this world. You need to know that all cultures are, to varying degrees, corrupted. That all cultures have some aspect of the satanic and demonic at work. But as citizens of heaven, that is our culture. This is not. And that culture is supposed to come and inform this culture. Jesus says, the prince of this world is coming for me, Jesus says. And it looks like Jesus is about to lose. Satan has already entered Judas Iscariot to betray him to lead to Jesus' murder. And Jesus says this about Satan. He has no claim on me. He has no hold on me. Because Satan only has claim on a life where there is sin. That's the only jurisdiction and ground that he can hold against us. Jesus had no sin. Therefore, Satan could have no claim on him. And Jesus went to the cross. And he died so that you and I could experience this same provision and power of the Holy Spirit. So if you are in Christ, Satan has no claim on you. You are forgiven. You belong to Jesus. Satan may come for you, but Jesus came to you first. And he delivers you from the one who comes to destroy you. That is gives you spiritual victory. Let me close by asking you some questions. So are you an orphan? No. You have a father who loves you and adopts you. Are you alone? No. You are not abandoned. God the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in your life. So the same presence in the life of Jesus is present in the life of the believer. Is your life meaningless? No, it's meaningful as you walk in the will of God out of a loving relationship with God. Are you of the world? No, you are of the kingdom. Are you powerless? No. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Final question. Do you need help? Yes. And the good news is the Holy Spirit is our helper. And whatever help you need today, 
This is your moment to meet with him and invite him in to help you. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.